The reading today comes from Romans 8, 12 through 30. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is, uh, now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Redeemer. Have you ever told someone that you were going to pray for them? and then forget? It's church, you can admit that. Have you ever done that? Uh, I have. Uh, not with you, of course. <laughs> I do want to brag about some people for a minute, though. Um, do you know that uh, Mike and Kim pray for our church every day? They pray through the membership every day. Um, Pastor Mike and Miss Kim pray every day for you all. Um, I don't see him here today, but one of the things that I love about Andre, Andre is a man who moves in the prophetic gift. He is filled with the spirit. He loves the word. He loves people. And my brother is a man of prayer. And one of the things that I love about him is he, he is very aware that he forgets um, to pray for people. And so what he'll do is when I come to him and say, hey, brother, can you pray for me? He'll say, well, I'm going to stop what I'm doing right now. I'm just going to pray for you right now because I know I'm going to forget uh, in a couple days. And so let me just pray for you right now. And he'll stop what he's doing and he'll, he'll pray for me in that moment. And he'll actually pray powerful 
prayers for me in that moment. And I love that about him. We are continuing our series in the Holy Spirit on the person, the presence, and the power of the Holy Spirit this morning. And today, I I want to bring to you from this text something quite profound in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and it, it is this. The Holy Spirit intercedes and prays for you. The Holy Spirit intercedes and prays for you. He's got you. Now, I know that maybe you all have been to church longer than God has and that you already know this and perhaps you're used to this thought, but this is profound. This is mind-blowing to me. This is a theological explosion in my head. This is one of those texts that honestly have been confounding to me. I have sat in this text for years, and I truly mean years. And I want to sit in this text for two weeks, because this text is profound. This text says that creation has been subjected to pain and sorrow as if in childbirth, And it was not by its own choice, it was by our choice, because of human choice, because of our own decision, our decision, creation has been subjected to pain and sorrow because of our decision for independence and knowledge. Our choice has wreaked havoc. Sin and shame have devastated humankind and creation. And then this text explicitly says that the Holy Spirit has entered into groaning and waiting and praying and interceding on behalf of us. He enters into interceding and praying and groaning on behalf of us. That is profound. The Holy Spirit enters into the pain and the chaos and the havoc of creation and groans with words that cannot express and intercedes and prays for you and for me In three ways. I'm going to get to two today, and then we're going to end next week on one. The Holy Spirit searches our hearts and knows what we need, even when we don't know what we need, and intercedes to the Father in three ways. In our fight against our sinful deeds, in our fight against our sinful deeds, in our battle for assurance, and in our endurance and suffering in our fight against our sinful deeds, in our battle for assurance, in our endurance and suffering. The first thing I want you to notice about this text is that it is all one argument. 
From verse 12 to verse 30, it's, it's all one argument. If you look at verse 12, it says, So then, brothers, brothers and sisters, we are debtors. Then if you look at verse 13, you see the, ver- you see the word for. Then if you look at verse 14, you see the word for. Then if you look at the verse 15, you see the word for. Then if you look at verse 18, you see the word for. Verse 19, for. Verse 20, for. Verse 22, for. Verse 24, for. Verse 26, likewise and for. Verse 29, for. Do you get the point? It's a, it's a long, logical <laughs> sentence. Paul is building four, 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 four. His logic is building on top of itself. And his logic is centered upon this idea that in all of this, four, the whole creation has been growing together in pains of childbirth. There is suffering going on in creation for something is happening in the midst of all of that suffering for creation is that the Spirit of God is interceding for you. The Spirit of God understands your weakness. We don't even know what we ought to pray for in the midst of all this sin and all this groaning and all this weakness. The Spirit of God has been sent into all of that. And we don't even know what we ought to pray for, but God, by His Spirit, has been sent into all of this. And the Spirit intercedes with groanings too deep for words. And the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The ministry of the Spirit is to intercede for you in your weakness and your groaning. Wow! Let me repeat that, brothers and sisters. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to intercede for you and to pray for you and to help you in your weakness and in your groaning as you bear up the havoc and the weakness of this creation and your own creation. You are not alone. You are not alone in your sufferings. You are not alone in your battle against your sins. You are not alone in your battle for your assurance and your identity. Are you truly a son and a daughter? The Father and the Son have sent the Spirit into the groaning of this creation to groan words of prayers and intercession for you. The Spirit intercedes for you and intercedes for you in your fight against your sinful deeds. Intercedes for you in your fight against sinful deeds. Now, I was trying to remember the last time that I was in a fight. And um, by God's grace, it's been a while. Um, Yay, Eric. Uh, I was 21. Uh, I was in a parking lot of a 7-Eleven 
And um, it was late at night. I pulled up with my friend, and uh, the parking lot was full of people. Uh, it was after a Magruder football game. And it was very late, and I was pulling in. And a very well-meaning gentleman came out towards me and told me I was double parked. And he had had a few too many. And I told him that I was not double parked and I just wanted to go in and get a big gulp and a quarter pound big bite because that's what I got every Friday night. Um, and I was looking forward to my big gulp and quarter pound big bite because I was looking after my health. And <laughs> He became belligerent and kind of, you know, kind of saucy. Um, I was much healthier at the time, okay, <laughs> much more fit, um, and I kind of lipped off a little bit at him, and he didn't like that. And um, so I walk in with my friend, and as I'm walking out with my quarter pound big bite and my big gulp, um, I didn't notice that my friend wasn't walking with me. And as I was turning towards my car, um, he says to me again, um, you're double parked. And I look towards my car and I'm about to lip off at him again and tell him a piece of my mind. And I turn around and he cold cocked me right in the face, knocked me out. I wake up to about six guys beating the snot out of me. Um, now, what I didn't know until later was one of his friends walked up to my friend in the 7-Eleven and said, don't you walk outside unless you want to get yourself beat up. Now, at that point I was like, hey bro, why didn't you tell me that, you know? Um, or at least come out and help defend me, you know? Um, at least, you know, come out and help me. Right? Well, he didn't. I don't, I don't know if you ever feel this way. Who, who's, who here has been, long, who's been a Christian longer than a year? Okay. Um, who, who here would be honest enough to say that it's hard? Thanks. Um, have you ever felt alone in battling the desires of your heart? It's like, it's like, I thought I was doing this with someone else. Like, You feel all alone in the battle? You, you almost thought like, you know, you were, you had a partner and, and you've been battling and battling and battling and battling and battling this same desire for a couple of years and, and then you turn around and it's like, you're ready to just tap out and you feel like there's someone else ready to jump in and you're looking around and there's nobody to jump in. Have you ever felt that way? Again? I did the same thing again? When I was a kid, I used to love watching uh, World Wrestling, WWF. I used to love the tag team. 
you're all looking at me like I'm dumb. WWF was World Wrestling Federation, Hulk Hogan, right? You, you all know what I'm talking about. You know what the tag team was? It was like two people fighting two people. Um, we used to do that as kids. We used to have tag team, right? Uh, except it was on couches. And um, I, I tell you, sometimes when I'm fighting my own sinful desires, I feel like the tag team is like, I'm tapped out and I'm looking to tag my partner and, and there's no partner. <laughs> it's like, what, what happened? Paul talks about a battle. He says, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. It's an interesting play, flesh and body, sarks and soma. You have already put to death the flesh, the sarks. We, we talked about sarks last week. You've already, through Jesus Christ, put to death the flesh, the sarks. Everything that is opposed to Jesus Christ and Christ's kingdom, you've already put to death. If you've turned your back on the world and the world's ways, everything that is opposed to Jesus Christ, the flesh, you've crucified the flesh. Everything that is opposed to Jesus Christ, you've died to the flesh, the, the, the sarks. But yet, Paul says, you're not debtors to that anymore. You don't, you, don't, you don't pay anymore. You're, you're not racking up credit card debt anymore to it, right? You're not, you don't pay to it anymore. I, I love that word, debt, because we're, we're all very aware of what credit card debt is, right? I, I love credit cards. <laughs> it's like Satan with a serial number. I'm grateful for my wife and her frugalness. I can get anything I want with this thing. I can live outside of my means with this thing. You know? Just hand that sucker to someone. I can get a lot of stuff with this. You know, the problem with debt is, though, it comes back to you, doesn't it? The thing about debt is, there's an accountability with debt. It, it starts racking up. And the more of this debt, this credit card debt that racks up, the more it tends to take over your life, doesn't it? The more it starts directing your decisions and taking over your joy, doesn't it? I mean, we've experienced that probably or have experienced friends experiencing it, haven't we? I mean, de debt is a good word, right, in this text. Yes or no, church? It's a good word. We are not debtors any longer to the flesh. That credit card has been cut up. <laughs> Those creditors have been paid in full. 
the flesh with all of its creditors and all of its demands and all of its payments have been paid in full. Jesus has paid them all in full. You owe nothing because of Jesus. He's paid it in full. You owe nothing. Crucified. All of it. Done. What about death? Do we have to pay death back? Nope. He killed death dead. How do you know that, Eric? The resurrection. He even killed that one. You've got to be kidding me. Who is this Jesus? He is the king. And he's pretty dang powerful. And he's come in and he's royally messed up your life. He's turned you away from you. And he's turned you towards him and other people. You don't pay the flesh back. You don't pay fear back. You're on a new course. You're on a new path. You're filled with his spirit. You're no longer in debt to fear. Now, the very same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit. Now, now, put to death the misdeeds of the body. By that same spirit, put to death the misdeeds of the body. Put to death the misdeeds of the body. Gordon Fee says, old habits die hard. He says, God's people are spirit people. They must resist the temptation by relying upon the empowering of the indwelling spirit. By the spirit's help, they are to become who they already are in the spirit. You see, Jesus already clearly told him, told us to follow him by denying ourselves by denying ourselves. Jesus and the apostles have already made significant application of what denying ourselves really means. This principle of self-denial has a lot to do with our bank accounts. It has a lot to do with our sexuality. It has a lot to do with our words and attitudes. It has a lot to do with our time and our future and our use of power and how we see other people and how we view pleasure. Put to death the misdeeds of the body. But here's the thing. The passage says, do it by the Spirit. Do it by the Spirit. What's the point there? Put your confidence in the right power. Does that, does that make sense? In other words, you can't do this apart from the Spirit's power. Put your confidence in the Spirit's power. Put to death the misdeeds of the body by the Spirit. There are certain things, no, no question, that you can do. But there are certain things 
and you know this, that you cannot do apart from the Spirit's power. There are certain things, oh yes, that you can do, but there are certain things you know you cannot do apart from the Spirit's power. And it's fascinating how we love to create standards in churches that do not demand a savior. We keep them low. Jesus wants to put them high. But we want to keep them low. And Jesus wants to put them high. No, 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 let's keep them low. Standards that don't demand a savior. Standards that don't demand the spirit. Standards that I can actually achieve without the spirit. I can put to death some deeds of the body without the spirit. The spirit wants to come alongside and says, nope, I'm gonna put them up here. Don't lie. Well, that's hard. I want, to, I want you to actually serve people that aren't like you. Well, I like serving people that I like. Okay, we'll start there. <laughs> you, you, know, you know where I'm going with this, right? I want you to give your money away. Well, I'll give 5% away. That's great. Start there. Why don't you give more? I want you to go reconcile with that person that you're really, really ticked off at. Eh. You see where I'm going with this, right? You know, we'll go to the standard of, hey, I won't go see a rated R movie. Hey, that's great. Anybody can say that, you know? I want you to stop slandering people. Man, I, I love how the, the Holy Spirit gets in there. He just, pow, man, he just starts fighting those deeds of the body. <laughs> Y'all are quiet. That's a good sign. <laughs> oh, I love when my heart gets quiet, man. Second, our battle for assurance. Our battle for assurance. He helps us in our battle for assurance. Um, I think for those of you who have children or children who can talk or take care of children, there is a big difference in how your kids call out dad, right? When my girls call out dad, that's normal. I may not respond, you know? Dad, it may take a few. Dad, dad, dad. If they call out, dad, I may not respond at all because I, like, I don't like whining. I, I, I am an anti-whine dad. If they respond, dad, 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 excitement, right? I, I, am, I, I enjoy excitement. I may really... Now, if it's daddy, 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 like they're in pain immediately. I mean, you've never seen me run so fast. I mean, I'm slow except when someone's in pain. I run the 40 in like 4.2 when my girls are in pain. 
verse, verse 15 is a very interesting verse because it's, it's packed full of experience. It holds to us an experience of the Father's presence and assurance of him being our Father that I want all of us to have. He says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father! It's cry. It's not a simple, Abba, Father. It's cry. It's a groan. Abba, Father. It's the assurance of, of the cry of a child to their father that you are mine. Amen. You see, verse 14 is quite profound in its truth. All who are led by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, are children of God. All who are led by the Spirit and filled with the Spirit are children of God. Now that is unimaginable. I think for many of us, it's inconceivable. All who are led by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, are children of God. Verse 15, Paul is... Don't go back to law-keeping. Don't go back to paganism. Don't go back to condemnation. Don't go back to fear. You're a child of God. When, when you bowed your knee to Jesus, you received the Holy Spirit. It was a spirit of adoption. You became a child. But I know this, that I've been walking with Jesus for, for two decades now, and I can tell you that when I, when I have been fighting the deeds of the body, the sinful deeds of the body, or if I have been enduring suffering for long seasons, both of those, I start losing my identity, and I start losing a sense of assurance of Am I truly a child of God? Whose am I again? Who's my dad? Am I alone? Have you ever walked a path of where endurance of suffering goes on for one year, two years, three years, four years, five years, six years, seven years, eight years? I mean, it goes on and on, and you're battling the same sin for one years, 10 years, 11 years, 12. It's like, who, who am I? Who's, who's my, who am I again? You feel lost and alone? You lose assurance. Have you lost assurance? 
Have you forgotten who your father is? There's a story I read a while back about a father and his son. It was about an earthquake in 1989 in Armenia. He says, everybody felt it. It was a moment of eerie silence, a low rumble, and then the ground began to shake and buildings swayed and buckled and then collapsed like houses of cards. And less than four minutes later, over 30,000 were dead from a magnitude 8.2 earthquake that rocked and nearly flattened Armenia in 1989. In the muddled chaos, a distressed father bolted through the winding streets leading to the school where his son had gone earlier that morning. The man couldn't stop thinking about the promise he'd given his son many times. No matter what happened, Armand, I will always be there. He reached the site where the school had been but saw only a pile of rubble. He just stood there at first, fighting back tears, and then took off, stumbling over debris toward the east corner where he knew his son's classroom had been. With nothing but his bare hands, he started to dig. He was desperately pulling up bricks and pieces of wall plaster while others stood by watching in forlorn disbelief. He heard someone growl, forget it, mister, they're all dead. He looked up flustered and replied, you can grumble or you can help me lift these bricks. Only a few pitched in and most of them gave up once their muscles began to ache, but the man couldn't stop thinking about his son. He kept digging and digging for hours, 12 hours, 18 hours, 24 hours, 36 hours. Finally, into the 38th hour, he heard a muffled groan from under a piece of wallboard. He seized the board, pulled it back, and cried, Armand! And from the darkness came a slight shaking voice, Papa! Other weak voices began calling out as the young survivors stirred beneath the still uncleared rubble. Gasps and shouts of bewildered relief came from few onlookers and parents who remained. They found 14 students still alive. When Armand finally emerged, she tried to help dig until all his surviving classmates were out. Everybody standing there heard him as he turned to his friends and said, see. I told you my father wouldn't forget us. See, I told you our father wouldn't forget us. Paul says to you, brothers and sisters, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. See, the Holy Spirit comes and bears witnesses to you that you truly are children of God. And your hearts say to you, yes, I am a child of God. That is the ministry of the Spirit to you. No matter how deep and no matter how much rubble, no matter how much sin, no matter how much suffering, no matter how deep you are in that hole right now, the Holy Spirit comes in and speaks over you a better word. You are a child of God. And your heart says in response, yes, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. And your heart cries, Abba, 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 Father.
I just want to spend a few moments. I know, um, I know an assurance is, is a gift. Uh, I'll never forget the first time that I felt the experience of assurance. Um, assurance of the Father's love for me. Assurance that truly God was my Father. I was at an event. The guy's name was Francis Frangipan. What a name. But he just asked people who had never experienced the assurance of the Father's love to stand. And I think I was 20 years old, and I just stood. And that was the first time by faith I received um, assurance um, of the Father's love for me. Uh, it was one of the most powerful things in my life. I know for some of you, um, as I was praying, there's just kind of two groups, just people that have been really, really wrestling with the deeds of the body and putting to death the deeds of the body, the misdeeds of the body, the sins of the body, and you're just tired. And you want the Spirit to come in and give you power. And you really want an experience of power. Like real power to break chains. And then there are those that you just, you want that experience of your heart just crying out, Abba, Father. Like assurance, just that joy. God is my Father. Just that warmth, that acceptance, that, that assurance. And, So we have a little bit of time. Jordan, if you just want to come up and play. Um, just Mike and Kim, if you guys want to come up just to pray. Dale and Gay, if you want to come up just to pray. Um, Josh, if you want to come up to pray. if you want to come up and pray. Anybody else that wants to come up and pray, I'm starting to lose track of who comes up to pray. Just if you feel led to come up to pray, Kari, Stephen, Sam B., if you want to come up and pray. Or not. <laughs> Sam B., come up and pray. <laughs> um, I mean, we're a family, so, you know, if, if God's speaking to you to just... Um, if you want to pray with people, just if you're in those two groups, just come up and pray with people. Um, we're just going to start singing. And um, just would really encourage you to uh, just do that, just to come and say, man, I'm, I'm that person, or I'm a person that just, man, I want, I really want that experience in the Holy Spirit. It's just that that assurance that God is my Father. I just want power. Um, just come and be prayed for. Uh, anybody else that wants to come and pray for people, um, please come.
Jim, Ben, if you guys could come down and pray. Jonathan, Becca, if you guys have time to pray. Lord, I pray that you just come and um, just move on people, just empower. We love you. We love these people. Just come. Speak. Just speak over people, Lord. 